You're listening to The Itch. My name is Casey. My name is Dan. And I'm Aaron. Welcome to The Uprising. We have completed the artist portion of this interview series, and we thank all the artists that participated in that. Those were fantastic, and we had a lot of fun. And we're moving on for this last week as we get down to the wire of the show itself to the people behind the scenes, the people that are making upheaval happen. Yeah, one of the things you will kind of find out about the itch or might, might already know is that we love to know the behind the scenes things because as, as fans of music for we're not going to give away our age, but uh, for many, many years, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, we're really still naive to the whole music industry thing. Like, we, you know, we just are, have always been fans on the front side, going to concerts, talking about it and then just playing our music on, on the radio, on our radio show. So all of this is really new to us. And, and so it's it's just really cool getting to understand all the different perspectives and how the music industry or the gears grind in the music industry to keep it going. Yeah. And I think it's cool that since we are partnering with Upheaval, that we get to talk with the behind the scenes people. That's right. So our guest in this episode is one Chris Meyer of, well, We'll let him say the name of the company he works with. <laughs> You'll catch that in a couple of minutes. Trust me. Um, nonetheless, Chris is uh, one of, if not the primary, people who is responsible for the continued existence of Upheaval Festival. And we were very privileged to have a little bit of his time. You can tell when you hear him in this conversation, you can tell he's a busy man who is juggling a lot of plates. And so he let us be one of those plates for a minute. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and so that was really cool. Yeah, we really appreciate him given any amount of his time, to be honest, because he has all sorts of things going in his world at all times. Yeah, I think we talk about four festivals yeah. or so. Like simultaneously right. in progress working towards them. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know. I have no idea how one could do such a thing. But he will give us and you, the listener, some insight into that. It was always intriguing to meet the person that was the creator, the thought process behind upheaval, because you know that I just I, I would love to be able to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, it would be fun to walk in Chris's shoes, you know, as the creator of all these festivals. But it's it's. It's different kind of hearing it from his perspective because, you know, he doesn't always get to be the fan. It's it's more of a it's a lot. You know, obviously, he's got to think of the business aspect of it. And so that was really intriguing to find out. One thing that I kind of took away from it, you know, the itch, if you if you had inside access to our group text, which you won't. But if you did, <laughs> um <laughs> You would know that that we are we are big dreamers. We have a lot of ideas and we come up with many fantastical plans and some of which hopefully will come to be someday. Probably not all, but it's really encouraging and informative and helpful to have a discussion with someone who has done some of the things that we look into as like, where could the itch eventually go? And so Chris is a great, not only kind of from a, a connection perspective as somebody whose brain we got to pick for this interview series, but because we can take some of that information and potentially use it to do more and more interesting things in the future. Yeah, definitely a nice contact to have in our, our Rolodex, so to speak. 
Yeah, the itch be plotting. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> Always plotting. <laughs> Steady plotting. So be on the lookout for the itch stage or uh, itch fest. Coming <laughs> to a city near you. Whichever <laughs> one will have us. <laughs> just don't hold your breath. <laughs> so without any further ado, here's our conversation with Chris Meyer, the creator of the Upheaval Festival. We are here with Chris Meyer, one of the people behind Upheaval. And you might have heard his name dropped in our conversation with Alfonso of Heartsick, and you may hear it come up again at some point. He seems to be a pretty popular guy <laughs> and a very busy guy at that. So he gave us a little bit of his time today, and we're thankful to have you. So thanks for joining us, Chris. Super happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So one of the things that's kind of been an ongoing thing with our show is that we always talk about if we had the ability to throw a festival, itch festival, uh, it's always just a, a dream. Obviously we don't have that ability <laughs> yet. Yeah. Yet. Never um, say never. Yeah, exactly. Never say never. That's, <laughs> I, I literally tell myself that nearly every day, never say never. <laughs> so the idea to talk to somebody who actually did that uh, is just really awesome for us. So I want to just kind of talk real quick, just kind of get a background about yourself. I understand you're the SMB founder and MI, is it me entertainment group or is it just Michigan entertainment group? You know what? It's funny. We, uh, we had this discussion and one of my big kind of pet peeves is, you know, don't box yourself in. And, you know, what was the biggest mistake America online made was they called themselves America online and mm. it just stunted their growth beyond our country and our continent. But, uh, so what did we do? We went in and named ourselves based on one state. <laughs> so when people ask me that it, it actually, I have no preference. It could be Michigan. It could be my, I actually say my entertainment. It could okay. be me entertainment. Uh, to me, it's whatever you guys want to make it. Whoever's asking me that I tell them the same exact thing. It's, uh, kind of what I hope you'll get from this and from talking to me, it's never about us. Uh, we kind of take pride in operating in the shadows of our events and the, the brand itself that really matters and has an impact is the, the festival or the event brand. And it's not us and it's not our company. So you'll never really see my entertainment plastered over everything on site or anything like that. Uh, it's truly about the event specific to that brand. Nice. So, I'm just curious, like, how does one decide one day that they want to start promoting concerts and create music festivals? Well, you know, it's um, I grew up in the business, so I kind of had a, a, a unique head start. My father is a is a concert producer and promoter um, his whole career. He started uh, when he was in college decades ago. Um, playing in a band, playing in the college bars in East Lansing, Michigan, at Michigan State University. Um, that kind of morphed into booking college bar bands for the bars and the bands. He was kind of a dual representative. Uh, and that just grew and grew and grew where he started booking festivals and fairs. And I say festivals, that was before festivals were cool. <laughs> you know, there, was a, there was a real kind of point in time, I feel like, where any given city or county would have its own festival. Um, yeah. And then they would hire out talent buyers and, and so on and so forth. So um, I grew up behind the scenes. Some of my childhood memories are, are falling asleep backstage in the, tr you know, in the production trailer 
uh, you know, carrying a, a suitcase full of cash for my dad for settlements, <laughs> you know, you name it. I think we probably saw it all and, and kind of grew up in that space. So uh, I had a unique start and that's not to say that's required, but uh, certainly kind of saw that scene very early in my, my life. And so you, uh, is this kind of more than just being your father's son? You have other family members that are a part of this as well, correct? We do. We do. We are, um, you know, we're a very entrepreneurial based family. Um, so even outside of music, we have other projects, we call them. You know, at one point, uh, we owned a laser storm storefront retail. You know, when I was a kid growing up, I would have my birthdays in a laser storm overnight. You know, I was the <laughs> coolest kid in middle school. <laughs> Everyone wanted to come to those birthday parties. But uh, so we have a lot of different projects. The core team is my father, who's phasing himself out into retirement, and my sister and I. Um, so small, family-based company. My sister and I are based here in West Michigan in Grand Rapids, and then my father's still in mid-Michigan in East Lansing. And uh, I did want to touch, and I'll, I'll come back to kind of the origin story specific to festivals. But So I grew up in that kind of behind-the-scenes as a kid. My dad quickly put me to work, which was a smart thing for him to do. And <laughs> growing up, probably throughout high school and even coming back during summers for college, you know, we were the what we called the chain gang. We were the site ops. We were pounding fence posts, uh, stringing ropes for aisles. Um, your rookie year, I'll never forget, we always would have the rookie member of the chain gang would have to go put up the Ferris wheel and get their clothes all greasy and sweat with the carnival guys for a day. And, you know, really that hands-on approach is how I got started and saw that side of the business. After undergrad, I moved to a different side of the business. I actually moved to Nashville, Tennessee and worked for a creative artist agency, saw the agency side of the business, and then eventually came back to the family business on the buyer and the production side of things. So um, kind of took that get my hands dirty approach on all sides of the business that I possibly could to really give me different perspective of how it all works. That seems like a really valuable skill set to have learned in terms of making sure as you're trying to put these things together. If you've experienced firsthand being the guy who literally puts up the fence, then chances are there aren't going to be too many like logistics and small details that are going to slip through the cracks that you're not going to be thinking about somewhere along the lines because you know the ins and outs of everything that goes into it. You know, it's um, there are so many things that go into these events, and I don't think your average patron understands that these are year-round in the works planning. We're actually already planning for 2024, and the 2023 event hasn't even started. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It is so complex, and I guess the best way to I, I describe it at, let's say, a dinner party, because you know my wife, it drives her crazy. Everyone asks what we do for a living. I talk about, I say one word about concerts and festivals, and then the entire conversation is a million <laughs> questions. I'm like, how does yep. that work? And that is so <laughs> rare, and tell me more about it. And she's heard all these stories a thousand times. <laughs> but it's there are just so many moving parts it's amazing. And I think the easiest way to describe it, as I said, is you would take any given business, uh, small, big, large, and, you know, you can really map it out over 365 days and you can make adjustments along the way, even sporting events. A major league baseball team has 160 plus games, 80 of them are home. 
they have some kind of wiggle room to make changes, make edits. We condense everything into for this event is two days, Mm -hmm. which is just wild to think about. And even beyond two days, it's, you know, 20 hours. It's a 10 hour event each day, 1 p.m. to 11 p.m. So we're really taking this entire business that is, you know, certainly a large, significantly sized business in all resources, monetarily, staffing, uh, infrastructure, you name it. It's all condensed into 20 hours, which is just kind of wild uh, to think about. So was Upheaval your first festival that you are responsible for? It was not. Um, so when I came back and worked with the family business, that was in 2010. And we were at the tail end of what was referred to as the Common Ground Music Festival that was in Lansing, Michigan. That lasted 21 years, I believe. And then we had some other projects as well. We have two festivals in Atlantic Canada that I've been working on since then. We also, you know, had some events that we launched that aren't around anymore. All of these events have life cycles. And I think that's kind of how I explain to maybe someone not in the industry is our strategy is to diversify our project portfolio. So Mm -hmm. we can't get in love or tied to just one event and one market and one genre because the reality is in music, genres are cyclical. They have their highs and their lows and their popularity kind of ebbs and flows with pop culture. And, and same with geographical markets, you know, some markets are growing, some markets are shrinking, um, some markets are struggling, some markets can work for the festival model, some don't. What happened in mid-Michigan and Lansing with Common Ground, you know, there's just that started again before festivals were cool. And it was something that really started because General Motors had two off weeks in the middle of the summer for their major plant to shut down. So there were thousands and thousands of workers that were in town that had the two weeks off in the middle of the summer. And that's really what started that festival. Well, flash forward two plus decades, that wasn't the case. It's a tertiary market. There's a handful of other festivals in Michigan that kind of compete, if you will. And uh, it just wasn't a great model anymore for that market. Um, That's not to say it couldn't ever come back, but uh, certainly it kind of shows the life cycle of these events. And kind of right now we're at four major festivals. And then we have some other side projects as well based in music, which I can get into of, of how they kind of complete the portfolio and tie in and kind of help with vertical integration across music in general. That's really interesting to me. I, one of the things that appealed to us about Upheaval not only was beyond you know the lineup and the geographic ease compared to most of the others for where we're based, was the rock music festival scene is is a, a pretty big one. And there's a big name involved that throws on a handful or so of them. Danny Wimmer is is kind of not a monopoly, but has the lion's share of like that, it seems like, across the country. So seeing a festival that was put on by someone outside of that was very interesting to us and, and an immediate draw. And then, you know, as you mentioned before, you guys name isn't all over the place everywhere. Like you're making it, you know, about the group, but we did do our little bit of research into that. And and like you said, you know, you guys just this summer over the next, you know, over about a six week span or so are putting on a country music festival, a heavy music festival, uh, an electronic festival all at the same time. And, 
Don't remind me, Aaron. Don't remind me. <laughs> He's like, actually, I have to go right now. There's something very urgent happening. <laughs> yeah. But, but I, no, I just you're talking about diversifying your portfolio. And it makes total sense in the same way that I think of like investments. It's like you guys are assuring yourself that you have the experience, the connections, you know, the the ability to shift with various directions or, you know, market demands, I guess one could say. And and it's and that's exactly how I describe it to someone not doing it, and mm-hmm. and then it kind of clicks. And I think what is what the realization we came to is these things don't last forever. As much mm-hmm. as we would love to have a festival that stays relevant and is financially feasible for a hundred years, that's just not realistic. So part of that diversification is having different aged events. You know, upheaval is only in its third year. That's considered relatively early. You know, our dance festival in August at the same site, that'll be entering its seventh year. Our country music festival in Canada is, I think, 13th year, if I'm Mm. not mistaken. Um, And then we're launching a brand new weekend up there as well. So that'll be in its first year. So every couple of years, you know, we want our goal is to introduce something new whether it's in the same market or a new market. But again, that's just one element of kind of diversifying the portfolio and, and kind of sharing best practices across all genres and all markets. Is there any room for like you guys' personal preferences within that? Or is it all pretty much all like a strategic business? Like, you know, man, I'm just real. This is my, my style. I really want, I want to, I want a little grunge festival or some such thing like that. (laughs) (laughs) We have to take our personal biases out of it yeah, <laughs> or else we would run into a lot of trouble. And to give you a great example, my sister, who's a partner in a business, her favorite act in the world is Mumford and Sons. Mm. And we have Mumford and Sons headlining up in Atlantic Canada, but it's a conflict with upheaval. And so even though it's her favorite act in the world and she has personally paid to go see them many times, <laughs> it's just not going to work where she can go to our own show headlining, which is painful, but it just kind of shows you that we really have to take the personal out of it. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, it's crazy because you, you have all these festivals going on pretty much at, you know, either at the same time or, or coinciding with each other. And I know that so much goes into making these festivals run smoothly. So like in your experience, what are some of the most challenging parts of putting one of these festivals together? It's a great question. Um, you know, for us, I think, cause we are experienced and we've built tremendous teams, you know, these things don't tick without the Rebecca's of the world who you guys mentioned. And, um, without even good people like Alfonso, I, Alfonso failed to mention, you know, he, in our first year of upheaval, let us rent his band passenger van for a runner vehicle. I mean, that's <laughs> like how close knit, uh, the scene is and, and what a good person he is. But I think back to your question, the hardest part is the unknown. And to me, that's weather Oh, is always hard to deal with. Yeah in our industry and you know the best i guess kind of the way to i describe it is even our competitors which they aren't really competitors i don't believe that music live music is a zero-sum game yeah Um, but of course if something's over top of us or too close to us or geographically or on the calendar you feel as if it's a natural competitor but 
I don't wish bad weather on any of our competitors. <laughs> and it's, yeah. uh, you see when someone has to cancel or evacuate, um, it's painful because you know that they have put their entire year plus of planning into this weekend and something not in their control is just wreaking havoc in their event, which is, uh, we've been through it many times and it's terrible. It's a horrible feeling. Yeah. Yeah, we've been on the other side of that many times too. Yeah, <laughs> as fans, yeah. I can't imagine. Yeah, I can't. You're talking about you know it's a two day thing, but you're working on it for a whole year. I can't imagine that day coming and all of your work because of something washed completely away. out of your control, literally washed away. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The frustration. We're praying. Yeah, we're praying, yeah. hoping you know for all good weather. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For you and everybody. May this yeah. be a summer of great weather. <laughs> well, and in, in upheaval, you guys will see that site actually can handle a lot of precipitation. It's one of the reasons why we love it. Um, there's underground infrastructure, and, and so it's actually has handled a lot of precipitation in the past and has done really, really well. So it's a, all of those type of calculations go into the, the plan, but again, you know, if lightning storm comes in, that's out of our control. And that's certainly one of the most difficult things and challenging parts of putting these things together and, and planning for it. Cause you just never know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm kind of curious cause you guys were going to start in 2020. And then of course, COVID kind of played a, a hand in not letting that happen. So yep. was that, is that kind of a, a different thing where you just kind of, you have to work, but then know that there's a good chance that that's not going to happen? Yeah. You know, COVID obviously was, was pretty rare, but, and was new for everybody and and understanding our business and our industry got affected so directly. Yeah. Um, You know, internally, I think we were at a 98% revenue loss for 2020. I mean, it's to just go back to numbers and explaining to people how it affected us, like 98% revenue. Right. Right. <laughs> um, wow. It's, yeah. You can't really say much more than that. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's uh, one of the things we knew was, so it was going to be and continues to be so special about upheaval is coming out of the pandemic in 2021, the state of Michigan didn't open for mass gatherings until I think it was July 1st or something. Oh, it, was, wow. yeah. it was, it was literally two weeks before the first upheaval, which is crazy. <laughs> and we were able to hang on and keep it going and open the gates and the amount of love and tears of joy and just positivity that came through our gates really smacked us in the face. Like this is what we're meant to do. And this event is so special because it means so much to the rockers and what we now call the uprisers. I mean, they coin themselves the uprisers. Um, you know, it's, it's a special, special thing. And I, I, it's hard to describe and you guys can probably describe it better than I can. It's the community is so strong. And like you mentioned, we have events across all genres, nothing touches the rock community, not even mm. close. And it's, um, people don't understand it until you're in it and you realize how special it is. It's, it's pretty wild. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I definitely agree with that. And, you know, and, and that's the other thing too, is in a rock music market, that's both crowded with summer festivals and seen plenty of flash in the pan promoters, or even some kind of scams in some cases, 
you know, what do you feel has led to upheaval success and not just find a place in that landscape, but you know, the success that it's had. Well, I think that we did our due diligence. You know, we found a market that has has a strong rock community, whether it's in the clubs or in the theater space or in the arena space. Um, traditionally, rock has always performed well in West Michigan as far as hard tickets and, and bringing tourists through. So we knew there was an audience. We knew we had a site that is special. And if you guys haven't been yet, hopefully you'll be there. Mm-hmm. Belknap Park in downtown Grand Rapids is unbelievable you'll walk up and you'll go what like how is this happening here it looks like you're walking into like a pickleball court um and you realize that there's this massive hill and it's literally a natural amphitheater and the lookout stage up top gets the sunsets and it's just perfect and it's uh it took a lot of creativity and, and to get to this point of having it be a perfect festival venue, but it is so good. Uh, the, the traffic flows so well. There's different areas. There's hill seating. There's obviously the pit, the, the VIP areas. I mean, just everything is something that you would expect major in like a primary market uh, that we're super lucky to have in Grand Rapids. And then the proximity to downtown, people can walk to downtown. They, mm-hmm. they walk to their hotels. They walk to the after parties. Um, you know, it's, it is super cool. It's, you know, back to, you know, how do you get started or what, what were we thinking about with this event and, we knew there were the camping events right in the Midwest, the rock camping events. You have Wade's event and, and Kadat. Um, and then you also have obviously Danny's uh, Inc is in Mansfield. And, you know, we, we knew there was an opportunity to route with them on the same weekend with talent, which really at its core, kind of back to your first question is how do you get started? If you want to throw a festival, you're not going to do it unless you have good routing. Uh, you just will never get the lineup, but we knew we had to be a little bit different than those events, which those two events are both primarily camping based festivals. Um, so upheaval is more of a, in the downtown area, there is no camping right now. There's hotels abundant. There's five-star restaurants. Um, there's after shows in different venues. I mean, it's a totally different feel. There's a beer tour in the mornings. I mean, it's if you want to go to a city and visit the city and go to a music festival, it's kind of the marriage of those two. The beach is 30 minutes away. I mean, there is, we will grow this thing to a point where there will be beach day trips oh. that will then bring you right back to the site all together on an upriser bus. You know, that's when we think about markets and kind of how do we stand out? Like those are the type of things we think about and, and try to grow into. Awesome. That segues into another thing we were going to ask about, which which is the actual artist selection and, and the booking element of it. Um, so you talked about routing. And, you know, one thing we did notice and you kind of alluded to here, you've got incarceration happening over in Ohio uh, over the same time period. And so there are a number of artists who one day will be at Upheaval and the other day will be at Inc., um so is that kind of especially as a as you you know start a relatively young festival is that kind of like the foundational point you know let's you, you talked about routing again is that, is that is that where you start and then kind of build out the rest of the lineup from there with you know a, a tour with a few artists or a nearby festival that you might be able to kind of pull a few from as kind of your foundation 
Well, I don't want to give away the whole secret sauce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, whatever, whatever you're comfortable whatever, sharing, we would love you're to comfortable hear. Sharing. We're, yeah, we're yeah, all yeah. about the behind the scenes stuff, but we know there's a reason some of it's behind the scenes. Yeah. So. No, it's uh, it's it's not rocket science, and I'm not saving lives. You know, doing heart <laughs> surgery. It's uh, it's obvious once you hear it. But yes, you know these bands and, and any musicians. I mean, there are only so many days in the year. And uh, they'll have their annual plan of how many live shows they want to do in a year, whether it's 20 or whether it's 160. And from that, it kind of trickles down to, okay, where are they? What continent are they on? What city are they in? Are they doing two in a row, three in a row, four in a row? Are they only doing Thursday through Sundays? I mean, all those things are decided before they even get to our inbox or our desk. And from there, then it's kind of, okay, what's available, what's in budget, what is touring, what's routed, what hasn't played the festival, what hasn't played the market, all those type of things. And I think by the time you kind of filter through all that stuff, it's, it's pretty obvious what we have to work with, I should say. Mm -hmm. And it's again, and then they have to be working. So it's, it's not. You're, it's not how I describe it is you're not going through the grocery store and just picking things off the shelf, right. <laughs> like, you know, cause okay, why don't we do, why don't we have Metallica and Rage Against the Machine and you know, all the, all the top ones. Right. And yeah, it's, well, it's not that easy. Even yeah. if budget wasn't a question, it's still not that easy. It's not like we can just go buy them. You know, right. there's so many things that go into it. And, um, you know, I think about, if you were to launch a festival, let's just say the itch fest, <laughs> you have to, what we would do is we'd pick, okay, where, what markets have a void, right? And then that void, you obviously have the geographical void of the market, but on the calendar year, what's the void? Mm-hmm. So you kind of start there and realize, okay, here's an opportunity and, you know, here's an event 500 miles away, 400 miles away, they could route from, um, Grand Rapids is so great for that between Kadat because people really aren't driving from Grand Rapids through Chicago all the way up to Kadat to go, you know, to go to Rockfest. the majority of people. Yeah. Um, and then same with Mansfield. It's a haul from Grand Rapids to Mansfield, um, but it's the perfect distance in between the two for the tours to stop and then to have a fully booked weekend uh in the middle of july that they can then go on the rest of their tour with or or end their tour with so um a lot of different things go into it and again those are all decided usually far before you know they get to our desk i do want to commend uh you guys in in putting this lineup together because i think you did a really cool job of you have artists who are all up and down like kind of the size spectrum in like heavy music right now and that includes both a very strong representation of Michigan itself, um, artists from various parts of Michigan, again, at various levels and sizes. And then you kind of stage this big coup in getting Bring Me the Horizon to come and do what, if I remember correctly, is their only festival performance of the summer. And so well, you- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to I'm gonna drop something now that I don't think I've ever shared publicly, and it's going to blow your guys' mind. <laughs> Bring Me was not originally on this year's lineup. Yeah. And we had another headliner confirms that had a conflict that had to be removed. And the Bring Me Fall Out Boy tour routing came out. 
and was done. Mm-hmm. And they had this date open, which is literally like a needle in a haystack (laughs) to have the date open, let alone have it be, where are they coming from? Wisconsin going to Cincinnati or somewhere, I think. Uh, That is a needle in the haystack and happens maybe once every 10 years. I kid you not. It was was so lucky. that, you know, I will just knock on wood and I think it'll be an amazing show. And I'm just so thankful that worked out because it could have gone horribly the, the other direction. <laughs> yeah. We're glad we're looking forward to seeing them. Right. Think, yeah. It's, it's going to be incredible. I mean, they're on fire right now. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, seeing their shows just the past couple of weeks overseas. I mean, they're headlining some of the biggest festivals in the world. And the show's incredible. I mean, it's, I feel, I truly feel so lucky that they're playing our event. Definitely. All right. So we've got a section that's in this series we're calling burning questions that we were asking everybody. Now you're, since you're from a different, you know, world here on the artist promotion side, rather than the artist side, we've changed them around a, a little bit to modify. Okay. But, but I think the heart of it is all pretty much the same. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Who wants to drop the first question here? What is a song or an album that's changed your life? Ooh, that's a great one. I'm going to go with albums, plural. Ooh. And I think, um, you know, what I have realized is what I love about music. And before I answer your question, I get parents all the time that ask me, hey, my kids want to go into the music industry. You know, I say, okay. And they say, well, what should they do? <laughs> <laughs> and I, my what I have realized is my best answer is have them figure out what music means to them. Do they love playing it? Do they love listening to it? Do they love writing it? Do they love watching it? Do, you know, what about music? The music industry is, is so large. There's so many different facets to it. Live, recorded, you know, you name it. Figure out what music means to you. And uh, I'll kind of lead that into answering your question is I think I realized probably in the early 90s that music to me dramatically affected my mood and I could listen to different types of music based on my mood and based on what moods I want to be in. And what I think uh, is that era of music for albums, to answer your question directly, would be like Rage's self-titled album. Uh, Green Day's Dookie album, Tools, Enema, and probably Chili Peppers, Blood Sugar Sex Magic. And, you know, I think uh, those just, I could put a pair of headphones on or crank it up in my bedroom and not think about anything else in the world other than just, just raging. (laughs) (laughs) Probably goes without saying, but that's a a handful of itch regular rotation albums right there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) what was your first festival experience like as an attendee okay as an attendee and i actually over the pandemic i kind of put together this list of my favorite shows uh as an attendee so maybe not necessarily per se a festival but just what are some of the best shows that i've ever witnessed yeah yeah and they were none that I was working. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when we're working, we don't necessarily get to enjoy the show as much as we should. But um, I think maybe the most impactful 
uh, was probably Rage Against the Machine, Lollapalooza headlining, and I'm going to draw a blank, was maybe that was 2010, 2009, maybe? 2008, mm-hmm. somewhere in there. Sounds about right. Um, I'll just never forget their intro leading up to that set. I thought Grant Park was going to explode in <laughs> um, the energy. And, you know, the great thing about live music, I think we all can relate to, is when you get everyone standing in front of a stage and just tuned in on the same wavelength of what makes them happy, which is this music that they're there to see. Um, there's nothing better than that energy. And uh, the energy that night of rage is set at Lala was, was unmatched for sure. Nice. So you might've just answered this one, but I'm going to ask it anyway. And you can, you can have multiple answers also, if you want, who's an artist who would be on your wish list for a future upheaval? Who, you know, we'll, we'll say we'll say anyone as long as they haven't yet appeared at the festival. OK, OK. Well, upheaval is unique in that I'm not going to go and, and say Rage or Metallica or, or any of the big guns just because I don't think that fits the model of upheaval. Um, just scaling this event to that level is really hard just from a monetary perspective and, and really from city infrastructure and, and whatnot. Sure. But um, I would like to see Turnstile, actually. Ooh. I think uh, they have kind of a Midwest representative, I believe. I think uh, what they're doing and, and where they've come up from, they have a really big end game that's possible for them. And I'm excited to see kind of how their trajectory takes place. Nice. That would be exciting. Yeah, we have uh, some suggestions to Skindred and Primus. <laughs> you can slide that in there <laughs> yeah. send, uh, hey i love it i love it send them my way yeah we'll uh we'll do our best <laughs> upheaval 2024 yeah booked in <laughs> half by the itch <laughs> we we might need an itch stage there you go there you go deal <laughs> is there someone that you're most looking forward to hearing meeting or reuniting with at upheaval that's an easy one. That's our staff. Um, you know, we are all for the most part gig workers in that we kind of float around event to event, festival to festival. A lot of them are gig economy staffers and uh, mm. you only get to see them a handful of times a year. You are in the thick of it with them, literally blood, sweat and tears and sometimes rainstorms and sometimes lightning storms. And <laughs> But uh, they are truly amazing people. And I think uh, to get them to watch people do what they love, like for a living is also very cool. Everyone involved with, with events and festivals, they're not doing it because it's making them millionaires, (laughs) not even close. And they're not doing it because it's easy and they're not doing it because they get a travel card and get to fly first class and stay in five-star hotels. They don't get any of that. They're doing it because they love music, love live music. And just to get to watch people be in their favorite environment and and make a living from that is really, really cool. So, um, you know, it's everyone from our staffers, but also to, you know, the the music production supplier or the stage supplier or the security, you know, same faces that we get to see a couple of times a year. Um, but everyone's so happy to be there and so happy to be working. It's a really cool thing. Nice. We can relate to the to that feeling. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> being, being in it for for the passion. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yep. 
So kind of spinning off of that for this, this last question here, uh, what keeps you passionate about planning live events? That's easy. And I maybe already have answered that, but it's certainly seeing thousands of people just smiling and singing and having a great night together. Yeah. Um, without a doubt, uh, there's something magical about that and people aren't arguing, people aren't debating politics or people aren't (laughs) debating things. They're there because they all have a common passion of that music, whichever type of music it is. And sometimes it's very different types of music. Um, but it touches them and affects them. And to see thousands of people having a great time and knowing that you had a small part to play in that is that's really what makes us tick. And uh, it's, it's very cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you for that answer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Easiest question you had all day. <laughs> Sometimes we lob a softball right at the end just to yeah. just like it, open it up for whatever. Love it. Well, and, and we can kind of relate to that because we get the the love and, and the passion of, of trying to, you know, make things happen for the friends and bands that you're connected with. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a, it's a very cool thing. And, and I'm not great with words and probably <laughs> kick it all back to Alfonso, maybe to wrap this whole thing up <laughs> and, and explain in words why it's so special, but uh, it is a special industry to be in. And I'm just feel blessed and, and lucky to be a part of it. And, um, we, lo- we love to support people in their endeavors too. So whether it's a band or whether it's you guys in media and podcasts or whether it's a merch company that's trying to get their start in screen printing or a security company that just started and, you know, we're there to support, uh, these efforts and these individuals and food trucks. That's I've had, yeah. I've had yeah. handfuls <laughs> of food trucks come up to me and just thank me that upheaval is their busiest weekend of the year. And they're just so thankful. Um, I've had a bar owner down the street said the Friday and Saturday night of upheaval is his busiest nights of the year. And he's just thanks me. And it's, you know, it's, I can't describe how good that feels, you know, I'm not getting anything out of it, but I still am getting the (laughs) world out of it. Yeah. uh, Knowing that it's affecting these people so much. Well, quick shout out to the Uprisers, the the Facebook group. Somewhere in there, I don't remember where the thread is, but there is a a post in the thread actually talking about the food trucks and <laughs> and uh, recommending like all here's here's your best go to for this and that. And so we're looking forward to testing those theories pretty well as well. So, <laughs> you know, I'm excited. I'm excited for the Uprisers this year. They don't know it yet, but they have their own dedicated merch item. Ooh. All right. At the festival. So it's, uh, they don't know it, but, uh, I'm excited. You know, we are, we are super, uh, thankful that they exist. And, um, you know, you would think that we created that or something, you know, it (laughs) was so organic and it's just amazing because they provide us so much feedback and kind of give us the code to the safe and tell us what they want at their event and provide us positive feedback, which, you know, we have other events where it's just negative feedback, you know, the lines or there was this or that. And (laughs) um, the uprisers, they get together after every upheaval and I think they make a post. You can find it that says, please provide positive feedback for the event so they can continue to improve it. I mean, that's amazing. I can't, I can't tell you how rare that is. It's incredible. 
I'm looking forward to going just so I can call myself an upriser now. <laughs> That's a cool name. Dan likes to collect cool uh cool, cool names. Yeah. Cool nicknames. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a great name for a group too. Like, it is. like so many different things and it's just it's it's perfect. And the uh, did they pick out their color? I don't know if they have a, a a new color every year or not, but I I saw they picked they were orange last yeah. year. Yeah. Okay, I saw something about orange. I saw something but I didn't about know what orange they're talking too. about. I yeah, I wasn't sure. Yeah. So they all they all, I think they were all trying to wear you know either orange bandanas or just so they can kind of know <laughs> each other a little bit. But it, it's cool, you know. We've I've I've seen the threads and how they they all arrange to stay at similar hotels. They all walk together to and from the site. I mean, they have each other's back. It's, it's awesome. So yeah. cool. Yeah. We'll have to talk to them and get the itch red and blue in the picture somewhere. <laughs> for, <laughs> for <their colors. laughs> I think my goal in life now is to become like the uh, dragon lady from game of Thrones with all the titles in her oh. name. Just <laughs> be like, yes, this is Dan Upriser, ship rocker of the itch. <laughs> He's got all the festival it's, titles. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're going to like a jacket and you just like put them on there. Like all the patches. patches. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Passed in for this festival. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Chris, thank you so much for giving us your time and, you know, for you and Rebecca and the team letting us be part of this has been a great experience so far. And we're really looking forward to the festival itself. Well, thanks for having me and I appreciate you guys and, and good luck to you. And I'm serious if there's, if there's anyone I can get you guys in touch with and, continue to grow what you guys are doing um i will do my best to make that happen so thank you thank you we appreciate that a lot all right guys thank you very much thank you thank have you a good day. have a good day appreciate it have a good one well thank you very much for listening to the itch podcast i hope you enjoyed the interview with chris my name is dan i'm casey and i'm aaron and until next time i am going to be an upriser and all these other titles just like denarius <laughs> my goal <laughs> nice if you enjoyed what you heard in this episode please subscribe and tell a friend about the itch check out the show notes for links about the episode as well as our new music playlist and where you can hear us every sunday night and you can interact with us at itchrocks.com or on twitter facebook instagram and gmail all at itchrocks i-t-c-h-r-o-c-k-s